You're listening to the Curious About Cannabis podcast. The Curious About Cannabis podcast is brought to you by the generous support of fans just like you. Find out how you can support the show and get access to exclusive content, merchandise discounts, and more at patreon.com slash curiousaboutcannabis. If you want to learn even more about cannabis, check out the Curious About Cannabis book at cacpodcast.com slash book, or check out our Curious About Cannabis online courses and educational events at the Natural Learning Academy at learn.naturaledu.com. My name is Robert Brown, and I am the Chief Development Officer with Greenway DNA. Uh, We are a saliva-based DNA test to give people their dosages for cannabis. You're listening to the Curious About Cannabis podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Jason Wilson with the Curious About Cannabis podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in once again. So today we're going to be talking about DNA testing to better understand your endocannabinoid system, a topic that is very fascinating to me, and I didn't even know there were companies out there trying to tackle this yet until recently. Um, But I'm here with Robert Brown from Greenway DNA. Uh, Robert, thanks so much for being willing to come on the podcast and to talk about this very interesting subject. Of course. Thank you for having me. Uh, always happy to uh, to spread the word and let people know that there's really some great advances going on. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really funny and, and really timely that in some of my uh, like workshops and seminars that I teach, this topic has come up where people have asked, is there a way that I can just do a DNA test or something and find out, you know, what products are uh, going to be, you know, better or more likely to be better, you know, that sort of thing. And um, I always was just like, you know, I'm sure eventually we'll get there, but um, I haven't seen anything like that. And then on LinkedIn, I'm browsing around and uh, somehow I just uh, happened to come across uh, Greenway DNA. And I was like, well, I got to talk to these guys and see what's going on. So um, can you explain a little bit? What is it that you do and, and what is uh, your your mission, I guess? Absolutely. So, um, you know, the the first thing I'll say is I, I spent a lot of time in the in the first part of my uh, cannabis industry experience in and around uh, dispensaries and in, and in California we called them the collective yeah. uh, models, uh, and you know. Even now, when I go into them from time to time, you could sit there if you listen for five or ten minutes, and the most asked question I ever hear is, "How much do I take?" So this is this is a huge problem, and you hit the nail on the head. And 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 that's really our goal is to start bridging the gap between two fo- functions of this. One is the patient doctor, you know, understanding that we can put medicine and patients together, and really have some transparency so that they're equipped for it. Um, you know, a lot of times when we're going in now, they're recommending drugs that there isn't a real possibility for us to understand the side effect list alone, much less what the drug is really capable of doing. Um, you know, so uh, that's that's really the, the overarching mission of that, right, is to try to get that okay. out there. Um, so what we did is we we took, um, you know, pharmacogenetics has is, is, is been around for a long time, people understanding how their genes interact with things on various levels. And um, the science has been there for quite a long time. And, and the, the human genome has now been mapped out for some time. And the, the efficacy 
efficacy and the way that that's happened is, you know, it used to be millions of dollars to map the human genome. Now we're looking at, you know, for $150, you can go out and get our test and it's going to get you not the entire genome, but it's really going to get you where you need to be from an endocannabinoid perspective. So uh, we've identified initially 20 genes and about 40 different gene variants um, associated with receptors, um, with your uh, metabolism, you know, different enzymes, how that works. And then we're able to produce uh, a recommended dosage offer there um, for THC and CBD. Wow, that's super fascinating. And how, I mean, I guess to kind of back up some, how did this kind of all uh, come together? Where did this idea originate? And, and what did that process look like for trying to, you know, make this a reality? So uh, it's funny that you ask, you know, we're, we really are a scientific company. We are really focusing on a clinical approach and trying to do everything that way. But the story itself started in a really humble way of, um, you know, one of our other co-founders, his, uh, his grandmother was suffering from Parkinson's and they were trying various things. Nothing was working. The side effects were, were astronomical and, and debilitating, uh, you know, to be blunt. Uh, it's like yeah. you, you're trying to corral something, but at the same time, you're adding on all these other things it's it's really difficult so um and, and uh, this conversation led to one of our other co-founders which was is rye wagner um who's a um a longtime geneticist um on the clinical side of things and, and worked through education in different fields in that way and uh and they started discussing, you know, cannabis and, and why isn't there a way to be able to dose this stuff properly? And and that really just kind of kicked everything off. And it took about three years of work and really getting an algorithm together that, and, and the gene identification together to put this uh, in place. And and that's where we are. Uh, and at the tip of the, the tip of the spear, too, I mean, I think we really have a lot more to go here. There's going to be so yeah. much more information coming out. Um, you know, we are looking at identifying not only the CBD and, and THC, but there's, you know, there are 132, I think, other substantive uh, uh, cannabinoids that are that are in and around this thing from various ways. So, yeah, that was uh, definitely something that I thought about when I saw this product is I was like, this is probably just the very beginning of something that's going to evolve for quite a long time as uh, I mean, I've mentioned it multiple times on the podcast now, but it's like we have tsunami waves of cannabis and cannabinoid science research uh, coming out now, especially as laws continue to kind of loosen up and everything. Um, and so as we learn from all of that, I imagine we'll see this technology uh, go in pretty interesting directions. Uh, agreed. Um, you know, uh, I was actually just on, on a webinar this morning for the uh, Center for Canna um, Medicinal Cannabis Research and the UCLA Cannabis Initiative, uh, which is out of UCLA. Um, and they're doing all kinds of different studies right now with rheumatoid arthritis. Um, you know, various places are looking at PTSD. Uh, you know, there's... There's just so many things, you know. I was actually joking with my with my wife the other day. I would love to be able to sit and watch TV at night and see a, an ad come on for a medication, and the side effects are dry mouth, and that's it. Right. You know, you, you know, there's no potential to die uh, on top of trying to fix your rheumatoid arthritis. You know, so. Right. Yeah. Dry mouth, some some mild forgetfulness, and uh, appetite stimulation. Right. Yeah. Brought to you by <laughs> Cheetos. You know, I mean, it's it's <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and what does it look like, uh, you know, when someone uses one of these kits? Is it very similar to like I've done a uh, ancestry DNA test, you know, some time back with um, ancestry.com 
very similar to like 23andMe and all of that. Is that kind of the general approach from a user perspective on how you know the kit works? Absolutely. So uh, we try to make it as simple as possible. Again, really trying to incorporate the patient, uh, the ideals of that into it. So, um, you know, one of the other things I think is, is medicine gets complicated, understanding how these you get your testing and all these different things. So it is uh, akin to the 23andMe test. Um, it comes in a small box. It's a simple tube that you actually, we actually collect a saliva sample because uh, the way that we do it is sequencing. We don't actually use a swab. We do full DNA sequencing, um, which is a Again, a bit more clinical and much more accurate than the typical way that you would um, do like a swab test. Um which is based around SNPs. Um, so uh, yeah. again, a little bit different. Um, but uh, yeah, so you spit in the tube, you put it back in the box and, and you send it off. Um, we've got about a 45 question uh, questionnaire that you go online and basically is called the activation where we gather various amounts of information um, down to right and left handedness, which believe it or not, yeah. actually plays into the DNA analysis. So. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. And then what is the, um, so, you know, they spit in this tube and they do this questionnaire and everything. Um, how long does it usually take to get those results back? And, and how is, how is that data communicated? Sure. So we look about four weeks. Typically, um, we're always trying to improve that process. But again, with the DNA sequencing, um, it just takes takes some time. And then our, our analyzation after that. Um, and then what you'll do is you'll get an emailed report back. Um, which, uh, by the way, if anyone's listening, please go to Greenway, greenwaydna.com. Uh, you can see a sample report there and kind of explain uh, what I'm about to tell you now. But uh, uh, the first part of that is about 16 pages. The first page is real simple. It's got two big boxes, THC, CBD. It tells you what you need of each. Um, and, and those things are recommended to take together. Uh, and then it kind of goes down from there into a little bit more of a breakdown on the variants that you've got. Um, we put together one sentence explanations of each of those variants to try to, again, help bridge the gap between science and the layman that might not see that stuff. Uh, and then we go down a little further and explains the receptors, what the what the variants are, where their roles are in the body, and kind of uh, how they work within your system. And then from there, it gets a little bit even deeper into something that you can bring in and share with your doctor. And they're going to be able to take that from a clinical level and analyze that. So again, bridging the gap, right? We can bring the patient's uh, knowledge level up with the doctor's knowledge level, and they've got a place to cr create uh, a really generous conversation um, around around health and wellness. Right. And, and a big part of this, you know, going back to, you know, the founder story and, and everything else is trying to um, save precious time and resources during this process of trying to understand whether cannabis or cannabinoid therapeutics are going to be um, useful or not. And if so, in what context, I mean, that's, I think that's something that's very underappreciated, you know, just that the value of time uh, when trying to figure these things out and money. I mean, let's be real too. People can waste a lot of money on products that don't work or are just not appropriate for whatever their condition is. Very true. Very true. So one of the studies that we found was a study by HelloMD, which is back in 2017. And they had stated that um, on average, they're looking at six months and around $3,000 for people to find the dosage that works for them. Um, so... You know, this creates kind of a myriad of issues right down the line. And, and the first one is obvious, like you were saying, you've got time. So you're trying to fix, you know, or, or help assist an ailment that you've got. 
time is not really on your side, especially if you're in yeah. chronic pain uh, or sleeplessness. You know, I'm someone that suffers from insomnia and uh, my day to day activities, which are typically 12 to 14 hour days, lack of sleep doesn't help any of that at all. You know, um, and and then we're looking at, OK, so a first time cannabis user comes in and, and they're interested about this maybe a little skeptical and they're trying this with no dosage uh, regime or understanding of how their body works. So three weeks in, they're going to say, you know what, this isn't working for me. I don't, I don't know what's wrong. And they're going to give up and they're not going to go for it. And they're going to go right back to opioids or other sort of pharma, pharma drugs that are not as, as easy uh, on the body as, as one would like them to be, you know? So um, it's, it's really an interesting concept to kind of put in place. And again, I think that empowering people to understand what their body needs is, is the way that we've got to go forward with all of our approaches. And that's going to change medicine, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, all of this just reminds me of a common theme that's come up a lot of times when I do interviews with clinicians and other folks kind of working around the, the clinical side of, of cannabis is that um, one thing that, you know, medical cannabis is really pushing is this idea of individualized medicine. And certainly, you know, what we're talking about here with this kind of genetic testing is kind of the epitome of that, of like, let's look at you, your unique, you know, genetic information, try to understand what sort of pitfalls you might be sort of predisposed to and, and how we can uh, navigate those things, um, which is, it's, it's super, super fascinating. And it just shows you know, it's taken a while, like you said, the human genome project, like we've gone from, you know, this technology, you know, just decreasing in massive orders of magnitude to become accessible. And now we're stepping into this kind of brave new world of medicine, where instead of relying on just studies that give you information about how an average patient population may react to a drug, which doesn't necessarily mean anything for an individual person because you don't know where you fall in this you know right. sort of representation of the patient group it really allows you to um, go further and and really individualize every approach which i'm that's something i'm just extremely excited about and passionate about i think that's definitely um the way forward and i think we're still in the sort of infancy stages of that um but certainly you know i look forward to a future where you know, you go to a doctor and the first thing they do is scan you to see like, okay, let's look at your genetic information. Let's look at how your body's expressing, you know, that genetic potential right now based on chemical markers and things. And let's marry that data together, get a profile of you as a person. Now we approach therapeutics with all of that information in hand. Um, right. So that's, that's really cool that you're, you're playing a part uh, in that. Yeah. And, you, you know, you, you, you touched on a really great point. You know, um, it's, it's kind of amazing to me that this isn't a common practice, even outside of the conversation around cannabis. Um, you yeah. know, we've got people coming in and we're just talking about your weight. Well, my metabolism and your metabolism could be vastly different. So what they say every two to four hours could really be through my system in an hour, potentially. Um, again, not a pharmacist, but, uh, you know, considering what I know about uh, um, how yeah. our test runs, I mean, everybody's different. So and body weight. While it's a factor in looking at these things, it's not the factor in looking at things. There's like a metabolic body weight that you need to look mm -hmm. at. How are we metabolizing these things? And and that's, again, one of the big proponents of, of our, one of the things we're looking at with this test is how can you provide that? So the fact that they're not doing that on a, on a, a level much outside of cannabis to me is, is a 
It's just a stark reminder of kind of how far behind we really are with, uh, with yes. again, personalized medicine and really helping people understand what they might need. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it demonstrates um, a almost a lack of creativity in a sense, because if we were to put resources into um, building these technologies to utilize them to their you know, really fullest potential in this way, I mean, it's something we could do very quickly. Um, we have the technology is there, like the, the pieces of the puzzle are there. It's just a matter of putting them in place. And um, unfortunately, there hasn't been a, a big push, but it's like slowly moving. You can see slowly uh, <laughs> in like broad mainstream culture, people are recognizing these issues and recognizing the importance of individualized medicine and everything. And, you know, it's just one of those things that it's always going to be frustrating just how slow that change happens um, in the moment. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't know if this gets into proprietary stuff. If it does, just let me know. And that's no problem. But uh, do you foresee a future where this kit um, provides suggestions for more than just like THC or CBD or even cannabinoid dosage, but just focusing on the endocannabinoid system, things like dietary suggestions um, that would partner with someone's particular sort of endocannabinoid system you know, sort of genetic profile, or even like certain, um, um, you know, so you have diet, exercise, you know, all, uh, even uh, uh, supplement, dietary supplements, uh, mm -hmm. vitamin supplementation, that sort of thing, uh, way beyond cannabinoids. So uh, there, it, it does exist. Um, that's not something that we're going to be doing. Um, you know, mm -hmm. one of our focuses, so, uh, you know, right now we're looking at pain, anxiety, and insomnia or sleep conditions. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and the reason that we're focused on those initially is there's the most data and research about those three things and understanding that. Um, and what, what our approach is, is let's, let's measure out what we're doing. Let's make sure that we're not only have the proper data behind that, but that we're providing things that are about the endocannabinoid system or plant-based medicine in general. You know, there's some interesting conversations that are moving forward, um, not only through our industry, but other industries about psychedelics and yeah. different effects that that has. And, you know, that's something that we're keeping a close eye on as well. Um, but we're not going to be doing anything with, with um, outside of that, like, again, any of the nutritional aspects of it. Um, and, and, and we've been approached uh, trying to add those things. And I think a lot of people are going in that direction, kind of offering this broad thing. And it really, mm -hmm. it's, it's appealing from an economic standpoint. People, obviously, you want to, oh, I'm going to pay this money. I get all this information. But at the end of the day, we, we just, we want to focus on this and really keep our, our laser focus on how we're going to be coupling the endocannabinoid system with people, what cannabis looks like. And again, plant-based medicine on a whole, uh, not getting into the herbs inside of it, but again, just from cannabis, um, you know, looking at psilocybin, other psychedelics, how are those things going to really help? Uh, and you touched on it earlier, you know, mental health is a big part of that as well. Um, and, and how can we approach that? So, we're going to keep everything focused. Uh, we don't have any plans on, on stretching out of there. Uh, there is some great people working on it and some great data on it. It's just not the place that we're going to play. Yeah, no, and that, that makes sense. And it, it's actually kind of a little reassuring because I think one thing that is underappreciated around like genetics uh, work in general is how hard it is to put together these robust platforms to validate data and make sense of it and try to extract meaningful, uh, you know, information from it that you can apply. And so trying to stack just a whole bunch of stuff in there, all of a sudden, uh, the layers of complexity that would add 
to just trying to make sure that what you're delivering to a consumer is like reliable, um, it, 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 it gets to be um, unreal. So that's probably uh, for the best that you're hyper-focused on a certain aspect of it to make sure that it's, you know, very reliable um, and, and that you don't stretch yourselves too thin, uh, especially this early into the game with, with this kind of technology. Um, right. So that's cool. And, and how did, where does your interest particularly come from in all of this? And how did you get involved with Greenway DNA? Uh, another another great story. Um, so yeah. uh, I was I started getting involved in around 2010. Uh, I was living in Los Angeles. Started again working uh, in and around cannabis in very small forms. Um, had a friend of mine that was again suffering um, from uh, a cancer diagnosis, um, you know, fairly far along and fairly painful, uh, and started looking at again. The things that they were doing, and I wasn't involved as closely as I wanted to be. Obviously, there was family that was really helping them out. But on the outside looking in, it's just you watch someone going through this and there's just you're helpless already. But the fact that they're trying all these things that aren't there and, you know, starting to look at cannabis and understanding that there is a, a way that's not going to provide again a lot of those side effects and doing those things so um i started trying to to interject and say hey let's look at these things you know you should go investigate that talk with your doctor yeah. about it well 2010 the doctors just really weren't weren't having that uh anyway short story long uh i i started really getting into it i started learning how to grow really well um developed my own um i started owning several grow operations of my own um opened a small retail location. Uh, and then once things started to change around 2016, we started really seeing that the laws were going to start going into recreational. Uh, I started looking at other avenues that might be better for me just because the the economy of that and the scale that it was going to get yeah. uh, just wasn't a, an area that I was going to be in. Um, consequently, was flying back from Monterey to LA um, and got stuck for about four and a half hours uh, on the bus ride out of LA with a guy who was uh, the CLO um, of this new company, Greenway DNA. Uh, and he said, hey, we need somebody that knows actually about cannabis. We've got scientists. We've got lawyers. We don't have anybody that understands cannabis. Uh, and I said, I'd love to do it. Um, and flash, you know, forward, you know, four years, here we are. Uh, and uh, it's, wow. it's, it's going great. Yeah. That's a, uh, yeah. Wow. That's so uh, serendipitous. I just, uh, <laughs> just this, this ride and conversation uh, brings you here. I definitely don't blame you. I mean, stepping into the regulated market in California requires a certain uh, level of commitment and just fortitude <laughs> that right, uh, right. is <laughs> very challenging. I mean, I, I, you know, being in Oregon and just having gone through legalization out here, which is so tiny compared to California, um, you know, that was and has been so chaotic, uh, such a roller coaster. Um, I can only imagine uh, what it's like uh, uh, throughout California. I mean, I, I have plenty of friends all throughout California that have told me all sorts of crazy stories of what all has been going on as things have been kind of trying to find their equilibrium. Right. And, a, and oh, there's the a, come through. Yeah. And there's a broader view too. You know, I mean, I like to think as I'm looking back on this, I, I tried to widen my lens quite a bit and, and that required looking at, you know, these laws are great and the States are, are, 
I, I love the fact that we've come as far as we have, um, although still yeah. handcuffed. You know, when we're looking at other markets, yeah. you start looking at, at Germany or um, the EU, even even if you go all over on the East Coast, the way that people address cannabis, the way they look at cannabis is much different. It's really more of yes. a medicinal focus um, versus the recreational like we are here. So um, h- how can we provide or how can I be involved and provide the most uh, effective, you know, use of my time in cannabis. It, it wasn't, you know, uh, growing plants or trying to evolve that. I think it was much more on, on a broad scale. And I've been I've been really lucky um, to run into some amazing people and work with some of the smartest people that I've met um, in and around the industry that are really pushing forward this thought of, of how can we change the world through cannabis and or again, plant based uh, um, medications. Totally. And how um, how have the kits in general been received? Have you been sort of coordinating with certain um, like clinicians and that sort of thing to get a keep your finger on the pulse of kind of how they're being used? Absolutely. Yeah, we are. We're definitely working with that. Um, we in the last year, we brought on um, Dr. Janice Knox, um, uh, who oh, I'm nice. not sure if you're familiar yeah. with. She's on our advisory yeah. board. Yeah, she's come on the podcast before. Yeah, yeah. Um, their family in general, the Knox Docs, um, just, you know, good people doing doing great stuff um, with it. You know, um, Janice has had, again, her finger on the pulse of a lot of things, including, you know, the psilocybin stuff up in Oregon and decriminalization up there, which is which is fantastic. So uh, and then also Dr. Sandra Carrillo, who's down in Latin America, we brought her on um, as well. So, uh, you know, we're, we're really looking at working closely with um, people in the field. And that's a lot of our focus now is on doctor's offices, um, getting it in the hands of that. Uh, we don't really focus on getting into the dispensaries. Um, we're really looking at the doctor's models and trying to get people from a broader scale because the educational hurdle that this presents is, yes. is pretty vast. And people, uh, even now, you know, you talk to people that don't understand what CBD is, um, people that think that uh, reducing pain with cannabis is smoking so so much pot that you can't feel your face, right? And it's just not the case. I mean, I don't think people really realize, but an over an overabundance of THC is actually going to create inflammation, can actually induce pain. So you've got to be really careful, you know. Um, and the the data that we've collected so far, the amount of THC that's required for most people uh, so far, and again, everybody's different. Personalized medicine yeah, is yeah. not one size fits all is is we're talking point something of a milligram of THC, you know, point zero something on, on most cases. So, you know, you it's it's a it's a misnomer to think that you can just get as high as you want to and go down there. So, you know, what can we do to, to, to change that? And that's education uh, and working with people that understand the body and understand how to present these things. So absolutely focusing on doctors and looking at this again from a clinical perspective is, is our focus. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And that's good that, that it really encourages that um, information sharing between the, um, the, the user and the, the clinician and to figure all of that out. Um, Cause that's, one of my next questions was going to be what are some potential like um, misunderstandings about the kit that, um, you know, people that engage it might have, Um, you know, I know just from doing like ancestry testing that a lot of times people have all sorts of misconceptions around what their data means or what the kit might be able to tell them. Um, So I guess just to to prime people, if they're thinking about doing this, um, what, what will it, tell you and what will it certainly not tell you that people maybe uh, may not um, quite uh, understand right um, so 
uh, what will it tell you? So first of all, again, we're looking at identifying the genes and the gene variants. So the one good thing is you're going to understand a little bit more about your genome and some of those things that exist in there. And one of the things about the variants that we're looking at is they cross over. Um, yeah. You know, uh, we, we only have so many genes and so many variants. And again, just in general, our body's made up of so much fill in the blank. And within there, only certain things are going to operate and, and be able to occupy certain receptors, um, things like that. So uh, we're going to give you some information about that. And some of those gene variants have uh, um, present an understanding about a potential for addiction to all sorts of things, not just cannabis, um, uh, potential for, um, you know, how your body transmits or, or produces, I'm sorry, um, uh, how it uh, processes cannabis in general, right? So are you someone that is going to have a high sensitivity to THC? Are you someone that's going to have a low sensitivity to THC? So it can, it kind of presents you with a really interesting opportunity. Um, and uh, as someone that was a, a previous recreational user, which I've, I've kind of gotten away with that, especially since once I got the test done, I really focused on on, on using it for what I needed to. Uh, you know, I touched yeah. on it earlier. I'm, I have a problem with insomnia. It's it's horrible. Um, and, and anxiety for that matter. So these things have really helped me um, find a balance um, and getting away from using it recreationally was, was one of the keys to that. You know, um, it, it's, it's not just numbing your body. It's really focusing on that. Um, one of the biggest misnomers I have is uh, especially when we were in dispensaries. Oh, so this is going to tell me how much I need to get high. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna do that. In fact, you're the only one that can really do that. You know what I mean? Is right. it, it's it's a psychoactive effect. Um, right. So yeah, it's subjective. It's subjective, right? So uh, that's that's not what it's going to tell you. Um, you know, um, I think there's a lot of miscommunication around DNA in general. What people are collecting it for? What are they using it ah, for? Ah, that's a good point. Yes. You know, um, and, and one of the things we we like to make sure everybody knows is you own this stuff. We don't we don't own it. Um, all it takes is a, is a, a an email or a letter, and uh, we'll destroy the sample. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not something that we use. We don't sell any data. We don't do anything like that. We definitely do internally use this to understand and better, um, exemplify our research and try to get a more understanding about what's out there. Um, and as we go through it, more of that data is always going to help our research. Um, but, uh, that's definitely something that people are, are worried about. And there's been issues in the past with other companies that have had to do that. But I, I think by and large, it's getting much better. I think people are really understanding, Hey, this is, this is a widely used thing. Data is much more secure than it probably ever has been in the past. Uh, and that's one of the things we really focus on. Again, um, patient focus, right? Customer-centric approach, uh, trying to make things that are not only easy to read, but also to make sure that you guys understand that this, you're important to us. Uh, your your well-being, your health, your wellness is important to us too. Uh, we're not there with you, but we're trying to present this kit to help you find a better place to live your life and, and, and a much more enjoyable uh, way to do that. Yeah, no, that's um, that's a really, really good point that I'm glad you brought up because um, there is so much um, skepticism and cynicism, um, particularly in the cannabis space around <laughs> genetics companies, uh, particularly over things that have happened in the past few years. Um, particularly breeders have been really, really skeptical, but it's renewed this conversation around what are what are you know uh, companies doing with information and and genetics. So I really, really appreciate that. And uh, a question that came to mind while you were talking about that is, is it possible if someone has already done a DNA test, you know, like I, I did one years ago, and I've got my DNA file, 
Um, is it possible to send that to you and have you run it without having to um, do a DNA extraction again? So the short answer is no. Um, and and while I don't know specifically what test you got, a lot of times what people have done um, is ask, hey, can I import my 23andMe data? Mm-hmm. Well, 23andMe to identify like your ancestry roots or things like that, they look at, you know, about 20% of, of what we're looking at. So gotcha. 80% okay. of that data is, is missing on there. Um, and we just don't – it's really doing a disservice to the client um, to start pulling in other things. Um, you know, w- we want to run this through from a clinical perspective. And I know I keep harping on that, but it's really the important point of, of what yeah, we're looking at, uh, the way we're looking at it. And and uh, to do that, you've got to run through that DNA sequencing and we've got to make sure we've got all of our factors in check when we're looking at that. And, and just like any scientific data, you want to make sure you're covering all your bases and you understand all the ins and outs of it. So you're providing the most accurate piece of information that you can. Yeah, yeah, I know that, that makes uh, perfect sense. Um, and it's it's kind of what I figured because I knew that depending on what service and when you did it, because some right. of these things have been operating for so long, you, yeah, um, uh, yeah, who knows like what data is in those files? So that's kind of what I figured, but I felt like it'd be uh, worth asking. And and going back to uh, the clinical stuff, because uh, I I meant to follow up with this. What has been the the feedback from clinicians that have used this? Um, have they mentioned any? notable um, um, kind of like uh, situations, case studies or anything where, um, you know, they've started to see how this is affecting their patients? So one of the big things that that we've covered in so far is, it, well, it's twofold. Really is one is when you present it, most doctors are like, oh, God, I, I'm so glad this exists. I, I didn't even understand yeah. this exists. So it, it provides a great position to have a conversation from, you know, so again, let's just say that the skeptical um, patient comes in and they don't really understand cannabis and they're really not necessarily on board, but they're, they've had enough information to at least ask some questions about it. So now you can say, Hey, you know what, this isn't going to be a guessing game. This isn't going to be me hoping to find you the right thing. Let's take this test. Let's see what you need for these things. And so it provides a great uh, starting point for a conversation, but it also provides those people that are, um, you know, uh, when, when they're not really you know, they think that they've got it under control. I'm familiar with cannabis. Yeah. I've been using it since I was 15 years old. Uh, I, I know and this isn't working or this isn't that. Well, okay, I see where you might think that or why you feel that way. Let's take this test. This is going to provide you some scientific data for that. So it's like a, it sort of backs them up, gives them a nice uh, way to, to lean back and say, hey, it's not just me. It's not just my education or my background. There's a scientific study of the DNA in your body telling you what you need, you know. So that's yeah. it's really a huge, uh, a huge piece uh, for them. Um, and, and the other part of that is, um, is that, you know, it. It just covers on on a on, on a wide range of, of that. I guess it's really the best way to put it. You know, yeah. it really provides them a way to, to be able to have these conversations and to be able to move forth with that. And after someone has done a test, um, and as the company continues to grow and the technology evolves, um, will any future um, sort of revisions of algorithms and and expansions of the technology affect? prior test results, like will people potentially see their data change over time? Or is it something that um, they might have to like 
might want to like follow up in a few years or something and see if anything has changed. Um, so, oh, I'm sorry. Continue. Oh no, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So um, I, I guess I have to answer that in twofold. One is we do. So the saliva sample that we collect is about two milliliters. If I'm not mistaken, uh, which is quite enough, uh, more than enough we need for the test. So we we actually freeze the rest of that and store it. Oh, gotcha. Um, because what's going to happen is, again, we're only looking at three things right now. And this is going to expand exponentially as we pull yeah. in other minor cannabinoids, as we get more data and research. Once the U.S. Uh, opens up the ability to test or we start working with people outside the U.S. that are looking at these things and we can identify ailments and how those work with, you know, different cannabinoids, uh, not to mention the, the evolution of terpenes um, and or, you know, once you can actually get around solidifying a strain, um, because, you know, one of the other things, uh, and uh, forgive me, I'm going to get off on a tangent a little bit, but people no, always think, uh, you know, it's the strain, oh, this is going to tell me what strain I need. And I actually forgot to mention <laughs> that to you earlier, but yeah, you know, for those one. of you that don't know about cannabis, you know, Jason and I can each grow the same seed in our home uh, with different lights or different nutrients or anything like that. And we're going to have a completely different plant uh, production there. So you can't go into a dispensary in even one side of town to the other side of town and necessarily hope you're going to get the exact same strain just because it's got the same name on it. So um, working to identify those really coming from a tissue culture perspective and making sure that things are are created correctly and 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 grown correctly and me being able to do that is, is going to be a whole other aspect of this you know but um, we are looking we're looking at growing that thing it's got we have to expand there's there's much more to do here uh, our work has just begun um, which I think cannabis in general our work has just begun um, so yeah so we we look at um, being able to keep that on a file again you can call and destroy it whenever you'd like but the opportunity is for as these things come about you can call and say hey I'd like to get tested for X or you know oh, I'm I worried about that. this cannabinoid is this going to help me and you can revisit it now I will say that genetically our, our genetics don't change um, you know our, our profile is going to be the same what will happen is you may have to titrate your dose up or down um, depending on you know the receptors or how much we've saturated those and that data is still coming out so it's it's a little bit too early to talk about but um, you know it's already been shown through the psychedelic market um, people are talking about mushrooms you know when you're getting into a large dose you know titrating that back on day one and then in day three you can move back up to where you were so you know as that data comes out we'll be able to know more about that but there may be some small titrations um, of your dosage because we're going to get you right there you're standing next to what you need but on a given day your metabolism might be different. What you've ingested might be different. So you might want to play with it. But overall, no, you're not going to need to change from year to year. Okay, cool. And and something I forgot to ask was how specific are the dosage recommendations that uh, that the the results um, put out? Because you were saying that sometimes it comes down to like half a milligram or or less. Um, so how specific? I I don't have it in front of me right now, but that's okay. Um, yeah, so um, typically what we're seeing, and I'll tell you that it's, um, you know, like I think my dosage for uh, anxiety was like 0 0.025 milligrams of CBD and 0.1 milligram of, of THC. So we get pretty granular with it um, from a, from a, um, a perspective of like how the layman would view it. Um, I will tell you that Everything we've gotten so far, all the feedback we've gotten, and from people that know their dosage, they've called back different doctors and things like that and said, man, you guys were actually within 0.01 milligram of what I was already taking. <laughs> you know, wow. so it's 
it's there. Um, we're working and, and, this is another question that's going to come up, and I'll just jump right into it, is uh, what's the efficacy, right? Have you guys done clinical trials? Well, we're in the process of doing that now. Sure. Um, it's really difficult. You know, uh, we've we've only launched about maybe just under a year ago. Um, took us about three years, two and a half years to get the science really dialed in and go through our testing and understand that. So uh, we're working on all those things. Um, we've got we've got a lot of stuff in the works, which is which is really exciting. Um and again, we're expanding our our network. We're getting people involved, people like yourself that are talking about it, you know, universities, doctors, people that are just are really interested in, in providing uh, a better way to heal. And and we are the first step in that process, I think. Yeah, to just to have more tools to work with to navigate all of this um, better is is just yeah so important. Um, and that's that's so funny that people are like, yeah, you got it <laughs> within like a hundredth of a milligram. That's pretty cool. And, yeah. and does the do the results um, assume a certain administration method? Like, is it assuming that you're taking it orally or sublingually or anything like that? Or is there any sort of tie in to the consumption method? That's a great question. Um, and I'll tell you what, there's a couple uh, there's a couple things um, about that is so we start talking about absorption. You start talking about the first pass right. effect, um, which I'm sure that you're familiar with. You know, as as, as things go through your liver, uh, it gets broken down. So what gets in your bloodstream is very different. So um, I, the bioavailability is something that I talk about a lot, and it's something on the forefront of how we're looking at these things. Um, I will say that uh, recent data has actually shown me that I've been reading is that the um, the patches that people put on the transdermal patches are actually the most bioavailable uh, bioavailable way. I'm still getting my coffee in. Sorry, uh, the no most worries. bioavailable yeah. way of of getting that into your body. Um, but what we do is we've got some highlights on there. This is kind of you know sublingually um, taking tinctures. Those are really the things that are going to be the best way to not only measure your dose, but it's going to get be the fastest way to kind of get into your bloodstream if you're not doing a patch. Um, so we don't tell people uh, how to do that yet. I don't think there's enough data around it, although we're working on it. Um, and then you also have to look at the breakdown of that. So people that are smoking, I know people love it, and it's a really popular way to ingest cannabis. But the reality is, is while it's going to hit you right away, it may only last you know, for maybe two to four hours, depending on your body. Sublingually, you're taking things that are, you know, um, based around different lipids or fat-based cells. They're going to stay inside of your body quite a bit longer and actually spread out the the length of time that those things are working. So I always recommend um, those types of things. Um, and and to touch a little bit more on on a previous thing, and I for, uh, forgot to mention earlier, is that one of the other things we're going to be able to tell you is. Uh, or that you can kind of see through your genes is, hey, if you've got a potential gene and you're talking to your doctor, hopefully they're going to be able to say, hey, your body doesn't metabolize olive oil as well as it would canola oil. Or you might have, uh, you know, so uh, understanding how your body reacts to the, the, the methods that you're ingesting is another thing that, that can come up through your genetic variants. And that's really fascinating. And then that can help you figure out, you know, if you're honed in on, okay, I want to do some sort of vegetable oil uh you know food oil based um consumption method yeah is it going to be coconut oil is it going to be olive oil is it going to be butter what's it need to be um that's pretty cool that's a interesting um thought that i hadn't really considered um but that makes perfect sense because you're trying to understand just how your body is metabolizing these things how it's absorbing right um, it's all interconnected 
And another reason to really stay hyper-focused on what you're putting in your body. Um, you know, there are a million CBD products out there right now and focusing on someone that's got the research behind it, that's going to show you, um, that they've done all the testing on there, not only for the basic stuff, heavy metals and things like that, but you know, how, who, who's testing to tell you that this is how much CBD is in there, how much CBG or CBN. I mean, these are all, this is all new stuff. So you've really got to do your research and due diligence on who you're dealing with um, and make sure that these reputable companies are, are, are there and they're standing behind, you know, what they're selling to you. Uh, Cause we can tell you, you know, Hey, we can recommend a dosage, but, if you're taking something that that doesn't have any CBD in it, it's not yes. going to do anything for you, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately that problem has, uh, in, it's not much better than it has been. And it's transformed in really, really weird ways. There's really weird products out there that, uh, on the hip market, particularly, um, that can have, have, or not have all sorts of different things in them that are not what you would expect. Um, right disappointing right. and hopefully hopefully the industry starts to get that under control because certainly you know uh, already there's been this interesting reaction to delta 8 thc right um and so we're going to see more and more of that um which which kind of leads me into you know so, some of my closing thoughts here which are you know what are you kind of looking forward to as far as the future of uh the industry goes and the future of you know, medical cannabis goes and just you personally, like, what are you um, kind of excited, excited about and kind of hopeful to, to see as, as everything progresses from here? Sure. So personally, one of the one of the things that's close to my heart is um, the veterans. Um, I, I try to interact with as many veterans organizations and reach out to as many as I can. Um, you know, I, I uh while while our test incorporates, you know, again, pain, anxiety, insomnia, which are some of the borderline or underlying causes of PTSD, um, it uh, PTSD itself encompasses a wide array of things, and it's very difficult to to really get a handle on. But, you know, I uh, I didn't serve in the military. Um, some of my family did, but uh, I've just I've just really. I, I really want to be able to help uh, in that area as much yeah. as I can. Um, and, and then even from there, I think looking at children's, uh, the afflictions that children are facing, I think that's another super important one. Um, and, and parents are, are so dedicated to it and they're so uh, thankful for it that, you know, it's, I've got a, I've got a son, thankfully uh, hasn't, doesn't have any issues, um, you know, but, I couldn't imagine. Uh, and so we've yeah. got to really focus on, on, on the needs of people and, and how can we better serve those people, you know, creating drugs that costs, you know, yes, it costs you $2 billion to make it, but does it need to be $4,000 for a prescription to go there? Um, do we need to make it unavailable in certain States? Uh, you know, it just, it doesn't make sense to me, you know? So anyway, personally, those are, those are two things that I'm really, I really think about a lot. Um, and, and I would encourage anyone that's involved in a veterans organizations or any sort of, uh, childhood afflictions or diseases, please, uh, always reach out, um, you know, as I'm happy to move that along, but in general wellness, right? We want to be able yes. to change the paradigm of how people look at wellness, how they look at what they put in their bodies and how we treat ourselves. There's no, there's no reason to continue to think that the only way forward is with a drug that takes you five minutes to, to read off all of the side effects. And by the way, some of those are death, uh, death. Yeah. I, I yeah. just, you know, and again, I saw the ad, it's rheumatoid arthritis. I, I just, you know, it's bad. I know it's bad, but is it, I don't know. I don't, it's, it's just really, it's really I mean, frustrating. I, 
and not just death but also suicide too you know i mean that's something that blows my mind with a lot of uh, and i have a lot of personal connection to this because i uh, a lot of folks in my family um struggle with different uh, mental health issues but um a lot of the uh, uh common antidepressants antipsychotics i mean uh, suicidal ideation is one of the potential side effects and it's you know it's just one of these it's a weird risk benefit analysis. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I saw a drug the other day that is an antidepressant f to take with your other antidepressant. Right. Right. I, you know, so I, I just don't understand that. And there's, there's a better way to do it. And one of the, one of the best ways to do this is to have an informed populace. If we yes. know what we're doing and you can walk into a doctor's office and have a really honest conversation and you can say, hey, I know what my body needs or I know the direction I want to take and I want you to come along with me on that journey instead of them grabbing you by the hand and telling you where you need to go. Um, I think that we're going to find ourselves in a much better place. So any 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 part of this that we can help change the conversation on and really change it back to empowering people's path to wellness, empowering your information. Those are things that, that we're focused on. And excuse me, we can, uh, we can work together on it, by the way, too. This isn't a singular operation. This isn't us working by right. ourselves. This is everybody working together. You know, I mean, whenever I'm on LinkedIn, like you were saying, I, I reach out to people and I network because I want to talk to you. I want to stay close. Yes. Okay, we don't yeah. do the same thing, but let's work together on it. You know, you might know someone that I need to know or vice versa. I, I, I'm here to help. We're here to help. And uh, that's that's just kind of our underlying goal is, is how can we empower a, a better use of, of, of our time together? Yes, absolutely. I mean, then that's literally how we connected is I just sent a random message, you know, on LinkedIn, just saying, you know, I'm interested in what you do. I want to talk to you like that's literally it's like I want to understand better what you're about and and share that with other people. And it's just part of this like interesting interconnected shared journey that we're kind of all all on and, and playing our parts. I really appreciate that perspective. And I love that you mentioned, you know, trying to push this model forward of healthcare where patient and clinician are working together on a journey together, like you said, um, that the patient is owning and, you know, really pushing forward and the clinician is there as a facilitator and a guide and, and helping things come along, but not this kind of situation that we commonly have now where it's just sort of a, you know, it's like, well, what's the textbook response to the symptom presentation or like, oh, you saw a drug ad on TV and you're telling me what drug you want to take. All right, let's try it and see what happens. Um, right. You know, <laughs> that's like right. so much. How how direct direct consumer drug advertising is legal. I just in the in the United States, which is one of the few countries where it is legal, I, it just blows my mind because I feel like this shift towards a better model of healthcare would happen so much faster if we could just do away with direct consumer drug advertising. Uh, yeah. it's, that, it's just a weird situation when you're going to your doctor and telling them, you know, uh, like, let's have no discussion about anything about my life. Just here's a drug I saw on TV. Let me try it. <laughs> Right. Or what's your genetic profile? You know, uh, okay. Right, I like... want you to take one of these every four <laughs> to six hours. It's, 
I, you know, it could, it could, my, you know, my mom is four foot nine, right? The same medication that you're going to say every four to six hours for her. It just, it just blows, blows, it blows my mind. It really does. It's, it's the way that we approach these things, the way that we approach drugs, the way that we approach selling the drugs, creating the drugs, you know, marketing the drugs. It's, uh, yeah. So, uh, a little pie in the sky, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think if we can all start thinking about this as a goal and, yeah. and actively, um, pursuing it individually, even if it's so much as asking the question or identifying it, yes. you know, yes. uh, Hey, I've got, I, I, this is why I talk about anxiety. People don't talk about mental health in this country enough. And, you know, this is something we need to discuss. How can we make this better? You know, absolutely. So. Yeah. And I, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, mental health and especially mental health in the context of uh, cannabinoids, it seems to be like especially taboo. I mean, I've experienced that. I've got my own like anxiety, depression issues. And it's, it, uh, you know, you can talk about cannabis use for pain all day long. But when you start talking about, you know, treating other, uh, you know, like psychological things, um, a lot of clinicians even like get very uncomfortable um, talking about that, especially because of just the, the sort of uh, generic idea of like, well, no, you don't want to stimulate your CB1 receptors. Right. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, right. well, that's such a simplified idea. Um, there's a lot more to it. Um, but but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Listen, people need – one of the main things we have to understand is, you know, the endocannabinoid system's job is to create homeostasis in your body. It's to even everything out. And adding to that with cannabis is even everything out. It's not there to knock you on your butt. It's not there to – you know, it's it's yeah. there to – your body can help itself, you know, and, and – that's why yoga is so good. That's why, yeah, you know, yeah. supplements are good and exercise is good. It's like we can, we can, our body can help regulate when it's got enough of the things it needs to do. You know, um, I mean, vitamin D alone, I think can reduce, you know, morbidity uh, across all yeah. angles on a several facets. So we just need to focus on these things and, and how can we really look at our bodies um, working together and, uh, and, and helping to heal ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The endocannabinoid system, I remember, one researcher I talked to said it's it's kind of like the fine tuning knob um, right. of the body, you know, that it, it it tries to smooth that picture out at the at the very end. And um, yeah, it's cool that to know that there are companies out there working on tools like this that uh, are sort of the fine tuning knob for the fine tuning knob, <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> trying to figure out how to how much to turn the fine tuning knob to right. to get the picture clear. Um, Right. So that's really cool. So yeah, uh, Robert, thanks so much for being willing to come on and chat for the past hour. This has been really fun. And uh, I really look forward to, you know, seeing how this all develops. I need to, I need to try the kit out and, and see what it tells me. It'd be very interesting because I've, you know, I've been a cannabis user for quite a, quite a long time, you know, medically, because I, I used to have a medical card long before legalization and everything. Mm -hmm. And um, so it'd be very fascinating to see how, the information translates to kind of what I've noticed about myself and, uh, and that sort of thing. So maybe I'll have to, to get a kit and try that out and let people know uh, what I learned from that. It could be an interesting experiment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, everybody should, everybody should know, you know, information is power. So absolutely. Yep. That's, that's, that's the key. And, uh, before we sign off, let everybody know, <clears throat> how to learn more about uh, Greenway DNA. Let them know uh, the website. And if you're on, I mean, I know you're on LinkedIn. If you're on other social media, um, I'll kind of hand the platform over to you for these last couple of minutes. Let people know whatever you want them to know. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So um, first and foremost, uh, greenwaydna.com. You can go there, take a look at the kit, kind of see, you know, how simple the process is. Uh, You can purchase it right there directly on the website. makes it really easy. Uh, There is a sample report that you can download and take a look at. Kind of helps break down um, a little bit more about what you could expect to see and kind of how to uh, disseminate that information. Uh, We're on social media, you know, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Uh, We're on LinkedIn as well. I do I do spend a lot of time on there just, again, making connections and um, just the amount of data that you're going to find, not only from ourselves, but uh, just other people that are on there is, is staggering. Um, I learn more, I think, on LinkedIn in a day than, than yes. uh, most anything else. Um, so uh, we... Um, we will be, you know, probably heading out uh, once things open up a little bit to, to go to different conferences and start looking at things like that. Um, uh, again, probably more on the clinical level than than your typical uh, MJ Biz uh, shows. But, uh, oh, right. <laughs> uh, you know, um, yeah, please, please take a look uh, is all I could say. You know, we're, we're here. Uh, we love feedback. We love questions. And um, if, anything we can do to, to help bolster um, the industry itself and, and wellness in general uh, is is welcomed. Most excellent. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. And um, yeah, if you're a clinician, particularly, I know there are a lot of clinicians that listen to this podcast. Um, Yeah, if this is something that you try out, um, let me know how it goes. I'm really interested to to track this and see how this tool gets gets applied. So um, yeah, thanks so much for listening. If you want to learn more about Curious About Cannabis, uh, you can find us at uh, cacpodcast.com. And we're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. All right, everybody, stay curious and take it easy. Bye-bye. If you want to learn more about cannabis, check out the Curious About Cannabis book on Amazon.com and other major online book retailers. 